Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I apologize. We overlooked two people that successfully completed the course as well. Dr. Nancy Butler, if you will, stand up and wave your hand at us in the back right there. Y'all give Nancy a big hand. I can't believe I overlooked Nancy. She laughed at all my jokes every single night. So, And then Scott Pursuti, her uh, fiancé, Scott's family, great to have you guys with us today. Thanks for being here. And also Kim Bishop and Randy. We call Randy's name, but then we call her daughter-in-law, Heather. But actually, Kim, Kim, if you would, stand up, wave your hand at us. Kim, congratulations. Also completing the course uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John, John's Gospel, chapter 15. We've been talking through the He Is series, and, and I've just been really excited about what I think God's done in this series of understanding the question that I believe to be the most paramount among our Christian faith, and that is, who do you say Christ is? In Matthew chapter 13, remember we started this series dealing with that question. Because Jesus went to his disciples in Caesarea Philippi at the gate of Hades and he asked the question, who do men say that I am? As we move forward in this ministry walk, who do people say that I am? They're out there talking, but what are they saying? Some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're your cousin John the Baptist, but who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus went back and told him that flesh and blood had not given him this revelation. That this has come from God in heaven. And that upon that rock, the premise, that declaration that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Watch this. Upon that declaration, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the truth of the matter is, as we go all through and survey scripture from the Old Testament to the New, remember when Moses would call out into Pharaoh's uh, palace to call his children to let him go and to go before the strongest, most predominant influence in the entire land to go before him. Remember Moses said, how can I go? I can't even speak well. I don't have the things necessary. And, and as he began to go through that retort and that dialogue, God said, no, you have everything you need. Look what's in your hand. And it was a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground, indicating that God had given him everything that he needed to go do what he called him to do. Who, do you, who will I say sent me? I am that I am. We see that declaration go all through, but no more predominant than in John's gospel with the seven I am statements. Jesus making these self-declarations to indicate that there's no more reason for us to wonder who he is. It's simply to walk in who he is, to walk in the person of Christ, to grab on, if you will. And we're going to see that in the seventh declaration, I am. But he said, I am the bread of life. He that believes in me will never hunger. If he follows after me, he will never thirst. And he goes on to say, I am the light of the world. And through my light, if man believe in me, he will no longer walk in darkness. Thirdly, he said, I'm the door, I'm the gate, I'm the way in, and I'm the way out. Paralleling Psalm 23, that if he comes in by way of the door, he can find green pastures. He can find still waters. He can find, if you will, church, watch this, peace in the middle of chaos. And then to parallel that even further, fourthly, he said, I'm the good shepherd. Not just any shepherd, not just a hireling. Because why? Because a hireling who would go out to the fields to watch his sheep, he didn't know them by name. They didn't know his voice. They didn't recognize it. A hireling, if you will, was an itinerant shepherd who would go out and watch this. When the lion or the wolf or when destruction, maybe even a storm would come, he would turn tail and go back into the city. He wasn't there for the long haul, but he said, I'm the good shepherd. Why? Because I lay down my life for my sheep and then fifthly he said I'm the resurrection and we spoke about this last week I'm the resurrection and the life 
In John chapter 11, in the dialogue between Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, if you had only been here, our brother Lazarus would not have died. He said, oh, no, no, your brother shall live again. Oh, I know he will, Lord, in, in the last day and the resurrection. See, she was looking to a point in time, yet she was face to face with the one who was the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection life. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he goes on in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, culminating in verse 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also, uh, Thomas, doubting, how do I get there? How do we know the way to get to where you are? You're here with us now, but you're going away. How do we go to you, Lord? How do we get there? What is the way? I am, in 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then we get into this final of all finals that really encompasses Maybe I could say it this way, wraps it all together in a nice bow on top when he says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine, indicating in Scripture, if you're a student of the Word of God, when, when Paul says, I fought the good fight of faith in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it would indicate to me that if there's a good fight of faith, then there's a what? There's a bad fight of faith. We can have faith, but it not be a good fight that we're fighting. If there is a true vine, then it would infer to me, as a student of the Word of God, that if there's a true vine, then there may be other vines that are, in fact, not true. The question today is, what are you attaching yourself to? Are you attaching yourself to an institution? Are you attaching yourself to a man? Are you attaching yourself to a theology? Are you attaching? Listen, we'll spend a lot of time talking about doctrine, and we'll tag on that whatever denomination that may be. Nothing wrong with that. But what I really want to know is, what is the true biblical doctrine? What does this book teach? What is the truth, absolute, inerrant, infallible, found only in this book? It really doesn't matter what we think it means. What matters is, what was the intent? What did the author mean? And we pray through the Holy Spirit to illuminate us to that truth. How do we do that? Through the true vine, being connected to the world. Let me read some verses, if I may. I'm going to read probably eight verses. Follow along with me, and I think we're going to have this to throw up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles today. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Listen to what he says. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Some translations say he's the vine dresser. He's the field keeper. He's the owner. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it or prunes it, that it may bring forth, watch this, more fruit. Now you are clean. Now is the word of time. It's not speaking kind of just as an inference of, hey, now I'm going to tell you something else. He's saying now, this moment, as I'm speaking this dialogue to you, because you're in me, you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. At that point, you're clean through the washing of the word of God. Jesus said, in the, I mean, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word what? Was God. Everybody say, it was the word. And in verse 14, that word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. That was Jesus. That was the word. That was in beginning, Elohim, creator, God. They're all one and the same. We miss that sometimes. And as we open the word of God, we look into the face of God. We look into the face of Yahweh. We look into the, to the face of our, of our rock, the ancient of days, the hope of glory. This is the way. This is the vine. This is what we attach to. We've been cleansed by the washing of the word. All of God's people said amen. 
Because the reality is, is we're no longer dirty when we're attached to a clean source. It's like this water. I realize this water came from a clean source. Lest I wouldn't drink it, I would wonder where it came from. But I know that it's authentic. I know that it's something. It's smart water, for goodness sakes. I'm getting smarter by the day. Help me out, brother. But watch what he said. And you're going to see this word attach itself to these verses seven times. Seven is the number for per- perfection or completion in Christ. Seven times he uses the word that I'm about to say that starts the next verse. And the word abide literally means several things, three to be exact, in the context of Scripture. The Old Testament word for abide is tabernacle. Everybody say tabernacle. Because the reason he built the tabernacle was never, watch this, was never about a place. The Old Testament just had the indication that there had to be a meeting place with God. That is not the way he designed it. It was only for the interim to meet, to go in before the Holy of Holies, separated by a thick veil, to go into the presence of a holy God, to tabernacle with him. We see later Solomon building the temple. Guess what happened to the temple every time it was built? It was torn down. Why? Because man overpowered a holy God? No, because God was showing that it wasn't anything built with our hands, lest a man labor in vain. It was something that he was building through himself. The tabernacle, also called the dwelling place, or the place where we abide. I love this, because if the holy, how many of you are saved? If you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart, what's the last words he said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? When you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to what? Indwell men, to abide with men. No longer to come upon man and to leave man. Watch, he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. How many of you are glad of that? Because I tell you, I don't like to be naked with our... I have been, Pastor David, in certain times before. I preached and I felt like I wasn't connected to the vine. And it is a dangerous, naked place to be. Watch what he says. Seven times. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch can, cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Number two. No more can you, except you abide in me. Number three. Verse five. I am the vine. There it is again. Ye are the branches. He that abideth. Number four. In me, and I in him. Watch this. The same, speaking of those who abide, bringeth forth, forth much fruit. And then there's, there's this colon. Watch this. For without me, underscore this, You can do nothing. Without being attached to the vine, being filled of the nutritional value coming from its source, the root, the vine, the branches will wither and die. Have no opportunity, no chance in the world that they're going to bear anything. And he makes that clear. And then in verse 6, but if, condition, a man abide in me, there it is again, I'm sorry, abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, and men gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But verse 7, and I'm going to finish verse 8. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Watch this, verse 8. New beginnings, this is number 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we hold your word today. In the same way that you do, in the same reverence above your own name. Help me today to rightly divide it in truth and in power. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.
I'm the true vine, he said. If you abide in me, you're going to be bringing forth fruit. Can I tell you something? I'm going to give you, in just one sentence, one little small dissertation, the purpose of your being. It's a universal question. It's everybody's question. What did you save me for? Why am I here? Why did you create me? What's my purpose? Everybody runs through life seeking that universal question. What is it that God wants me to do? Okay, I get it. Mark, you're a preacher. Okay, I get it. Martika, you're a singer. Okay, I get it. Kyle, you're, you're like a dad. Okay, I get it. And so forth and so on. What is I here for? Can, can I just tell you guys real quick? You might want to write this down because it is profound. You are to bear fruit. You are to bear fruit. You are to make disciples. Man, if we go back to the law of first mention, when God created Adam and Eve, and and he gave them dominion over all things, and he he gave them power over the authority of the animal kingdom, he, he gave them the opportunity to walk with God in the cool of the day. That was God's perfect plan. And he gave them one thing to do. What was it? Replenish, go ye and multiply go make fruit make more of you if there's any question about that Jesus in his own challenges to his disciples and to the hearers at large he said you know what you can tell a tree by the fruit that it what that it bears if you own a field and you have one particular tree that's not bearing fruit, you will do exactly as Jesus does to the branch that's attached to each vine. If there is a limb or a branch that's on a tree that has not bore fruit in a while, you're going to look at it and go, you know what, it's sucking up nutrients, but it's doing nothing for me. It's not producing anything. If I may say it this way, it's simply gotten in the way, and you'll cut it off. But that one which is abiding in him, is taking its nutrient. Listen, Philippians chapter 3. Don't, don't turn there. The apostle Paul, a man named Saul of Tarsus, a killer, a murderer of Christians in first century Jerusalem, literally was going to a place called Damascus in Acts chapter 9 to go yet again and bring back more Christians to come and martyr, much like he had done at Stephen, who was the first disciple, if you will, the first martyr recorded in New Testament Scripture. And in Acts chapter 9, he had an encounter with the person, the person of Jesus Christ. And it rocked his world so much that it transformed him right then, that moment. And he became not only a follower, watch this, of Christ, but a producer of fruit. A preacher, a missionary, an evangelist, a brother, a mentor, a discipler. Disciple is mentioned 270 times in Scripture. Christians mentioned three. Yeah, we got to win them before we can disciple them. But I'll submit to you that Scripture is placing a great level of emphasis on us replicating what it is we have gotten. If I have, watch this, if I have the answer to all of man's problems that is found in this book, in the person of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit who abides in me and I in Him, why would I keep it to myself? Why wouldn't I share it? What is it that is preventing you? From moving forward and sharing and bearing fruit. Oh, Mark, you know what? I'm just a little shy. That's, that's not my thing. Not an excuse. Well, Mark, you know what? I just, I don't, I don't talk to people. I'm just kind of, I'm in the background. No, no, no. No excuse. You and I are called to bear fruit. People ask me all the time, why do you have to go to Jamaica? 
to go and win souls? Why do you have to go to Africa? Why do you go to Trinidad? Why do you go to Dominican? Why? I mean, we, we all wonder that. There's people right here in our own home. You're exactly right. But the fields that are white unto harvest in our world today are the ones where the gospel has not been oversaturated. We are a complacent society. Does anybody agree with me? You turn on any radio, you can go, listen, you, you didn't have to come here today to go to church. You probably passed 17 on your way to here. Glad you're here, by the way. But watch this. You go in some countries, and you go and set up. We have went to Jamaica. All my Jamaican missionaries, wave your hand at me like you just don't care. Okay, watch this. We have been to Jamaica, went to a convenience store where they didn't have proper electricity. Doug's like fire marshal in action. He's just looking at it going, this thing is granted. We are going to die. We're going to get shot. It's pouring down rain. It's raining like a foot of water. And we are preaching and we're standing. My God, listen to me. We're standing in ankle deep water in the front of a store with electricity that's hasty at best, has no ground, and we got plug-ins everywhere. With I'm like going, I ain't using the mic tonight. Y'all are saying what you want to do. I'm not touching any of that stuff. And we're standing out there. I got a picture in my office. We're standing there soaking wet, just singing, and cars come by like leaping their horns and stuff. And we just, all right, move the church. You know, we you know, get back together. Oh, Lord, you're, you know, sharing the gospel, praying with people. What is it that charges you, a missionary, to love that deeply, to go that far, to pursue that hard, to share the gospel, to produce a fruit there, only to come back here, sit in the seat and say, bless me if you can. I'll tell you why. Because it's an ideology that this world in the culture that we live in has produced. We've produced a bunch of non-doers. We have produced a bunch of church members, and we're not producing a lot of fruit. I get it. That don't preach well. My, God and I had a dialogue about that this morning. Please don't think that today is about you being filled with the bread of life to go the rest of the six days ahead of you only to come back to be refilled next week. No, no, no. This today is a charge. This is an equipping of the saints to go out to be a child of the Most High. How many of you are saved again? Does the world know it? Are you bearing fruit? Here, here's what I know to be true. Some of us are Christians in this room today. And we're not bearing fruit because our life has become unmanageable. Our life has, has entered into a time of decay. We are so stinking broken. I can look out among you today and say there are broken vessels in this room. Child of the king. Heaven for a home. And we're terrified. We're depressed. We're anxious. We're hurt. We're wounded. we've lost our joy and there's nothing inside of me that makes me want to step out and tell anybody about Jesus lest they think I'm a hypocrite lest they think that I now fall under the microscope you know my daughter as the band makes their way up here because I want to move this out of the way my daughter Ashley 
is going to have my first granddaughter in seven weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. My daughter-in-law, Maggie, is going to have our second grandson in three weeks. <clears throat> Thought she was going to have him the other day. She started hurting a little bit, and I'm thinking, it's on. She had Beckham four weeks early. So it's just kind of like whatever happens, you know, she's, she's good. And, and I began to think about something as I watched them waddle through the house. <clears throat> I know, right? I was thinking, you know, that child in that mother's womb is, is seeking nourishment. Draw, listen, even if the mother is, is not eating right or taking care of herself, guess what's going to happen to that baby? That baby is going to draw all of the nutrition away from that mom. But if that mom begins to put negative things in her body, that baby is, is at the mama's discretion, at, at, at her mercy. Because what? She's connected to that mother, drawing that nutrition. Everything that goes in, that baby gets that. And I begin to think about this true vine verse in the form of pregnancy. I shared this with some people on Monday night a few weeks ago. And it really kind of rocked my world. That each of us, if we're going through difficulty as a child of God, and we're hurting, and we're buried, and we, we have no joy, and we have no purpose, and all of these things, we're looking for the answer. And we're just like miserable as a Christian, as a child of God. God, help us that we can't display or exemplify the joy of Christ in our life. Because if we don't, the world out there sees you and goes, why would I want what you have, you are stinking miserable. And it repels them away from the gospel. I wish I could tell you today that if you get in church and you follow Christ and you pursue him with your whole heart, that all of your problems are just going to settle out. How many of you know that's not true? How many of you know sometimes that the enemy will come against you with both feet? Why? Because now you are a threat to the kingdom of the enemy. Guys, guess what? If you're going through hell on earth, you're not going to it because God has forgotten you. You're going through it because Satan has acknowledged you as somebody who's a threat to his way of life. That's why the Pharisees crucified Christ. Because his message of love, his message of hope, his message of fulfilling the law, and no, more, no longer trying to live by it, was a threat to their way of life. The enemy is against you today. He's an accuser of you today. He is a deceiver of you today because you matter. Paul said, I count it all as dung. I'm not even going to tell you what that is. I count it all as dung, as loss. The things that I've done that are good, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, for goodness sakes. Went on at least three missionary journeys. Raised up pastors, built churches. Wrote letters to young men like Timothy while he was in prison waiting imminent beheading. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was bitten by a snake. And he said, I count these but light afflictions. Are you serious? What in the world was this guy made of? I'm glad you asked. Philippians 3, he said, Not as though I've already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. And that I may apprehend that for which, watch this, Christ has also apprehended in Christ Jesus. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Oh, my God, this will preach. Forgetting the things which are behind. I say that again, don't I? Forgetting the things that I did back there. Forgetting the places where I failed God miserably. Forgetting what somebody did to me back there that I will never forget that is still hurting me and it has defined me to this day. Forgetting those things which are behind. If you give somebody the power over your life to hurt you back, and please, I'm being respectful here. There's a lot of hurt in this room. There's things that's happened that you will never vocalize to a, to a people at large. And I get it. Please hear my heart here. Let me tell you something. If you give someone else the power over your joy, it's because you chose to give it to them. If somebody else has a bad day in your life and it makes you have a bad day, you have your eyes on the wrong thing. I'm not suggesting that everybody's going to be happy. Happiness is based on happenings and circumstances. And how many of you know sometimes it just gets hard? Jesus said it this way. It rains upon the just and the unjust. Sometimes things just happen we may never understand. Let me tell you something. Joy comes from the Lord. Nehemiah said the the joy of the Lord is my strength. Forgetting those things, Paul said, which are behind me. And watch what he said. I love this. Man, I love this verse. Philippians 3.13. And reaching. Everybody say reach. Reaching forth into those things which are before. I press towards the mark. I press towards the mark, Paul said. What is the mark? The mark is when we reach a thousand people, right? Come on, church. That's that's what we're looking for, right? Thousand people, Kyle. We reach a thousand people. We've hit the mark, right? God help us if that's our stinking mark. I'm going to preach on Gideon next week when it's against all odds. I'm going to show you how God can do more with 300 that are committed than he can with 25,000 who are terrified, scared to do anything for the glory of God. Ain't about numbers. Ain't about growing anything. It's about sharing Jesus, man, and loving people that are unlovable and reaching. Listen, watch what he said. Reaching towards the mark. Watch what he said it is. Man, this breaks my heart. You know what the mark was for Paul? Reaching towards the mark, which is the high calling in Christ Jesus. The calling was the mark he was reaching for. Does that even matter to us today? Why, why do we reach people in Jamaica? Why do we run crazy in Africa and, and go crazy sharing our faith? And here today, we're sitting around going, man, you know, business is crazy. And, man, the wife's this and the kids don't kick the dog. You know what? We allow the world that we live in to talk us out of being excited about what God has done for us. And we shut our mouth. But you get yourself away from TV. And you get yourself away from the comforts of this world. You get yourself away from the everyday hustle and bustle. And that's why it works in Jamaica. That's why it works in Africa. Because you get yourself away from the stuff that cloud us and that wear us out. Guess what you do? You realize what he did for you. And you will break the fences down to tell somebody about Jesus. And guess what they'll do? They'll hear you. And they'll respond. In droves and hundreds and thousands. Some of you today have been impregnated with a purpose by a holy God. You're attached to the vine. And you're experiencing birth pains. 
Something about birth pains, though, they remind us that there is something inside of us. Mothers, get with me. You understand what I'm saying? Wave your hand at me, mamas. When you have the birth pains, it hurts. In fact, when a woman gets closer to the time of delivery, those birth birth pains escalate. The baby has grown so much that he's kicking at her heart. He's kicking at her kidney. He's put, can I get an amen, mamas, in the house? Guys, we don't even understand that. We're like, I got a bellyache. The wife's going, shut up. You don't even know. But as it comes closer, hear me, church, please hear me. As it comes closer and closer and closer to me birthing or to a woman birthing that child, the pains escalate. And she hurts. And when she goes into labor, she hurts. And she, she's bent over and she lies on a bed and, you know, gets the drugs. You know the drugs, you know. Gets the stuff so that they won't have to hurt. Because do you know that a woman, when she goes into labor and births a child, she comes closer to death right then at that moment than ever before. Church, hear me. If you're in pain today, you're struggling, you might just be experiencing the birth pains of something magnificent that's about to come out of you. A purpose in Christ. That's going to rock this world for the glory of God. And instead of embracing it, there was a mother over in LaGrange that I got to spend some time with who was going through postpartum depression. This has been 12 years ago. I mean, like I had never seen before. She was miserable. You know what she told me? She said, I said, tell me, tell me, tell me what's wrong. Tell me, tell me what it really is. Because I, I don't get it. I'm sorry. You got a beautiful baby, he's healthy, yeah, that's right. What is it? Mark, when he was in me, I didn't have to share him with nobody. When he was in me, it was me and him, we were one. And, and, and when I felt those birth pains, it hurt and it woke me up and I couldn't sleep and sometimes I couldn't eat. But you know what she said? She said, I'd give anything to experience those birth pains again because he would have been in me. You know the greatest things that I've seen in my life is when I experienced the birth pain of a harvest, of a fruit that was about to come out, and I felt like I was absolutely all alone. Not because of anyone else, but because of me. And it escalated, and it hurt, and as God birthed forth that thing, that fruit, because I'm attached to the vine, it was the most glorious and beautiful thing that I have ever seen and laid eyes on. And it was finally, for once, I felt like I had stepped into my purpose, my calling, the prize. Stop resisting the birth pain. The birth pain, if you're going through some junk right now, Christian, is a reminder that there is something in you about to come out. Don't resist it. Embrace it. Listen. Connect yourself. Connect yourself to the vine. Because if you abide in me and I in you, Jesus says, you will bring forth much fruit. It's not a, it's not a question of if. You're going to. You will step out of confusion into absolute total purpose. And all these things that you did in life that you thought were pretty cool, you will count as loss. They're behind you. You'll forget them. Anybody ever fail God? Anybody ever fail God in the house? Boy, I have. I got my hand up high. Maybe I should lift both. 
I got this. It's behind me. Jesus has forgiven me. Let me end with this. Jesus said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things remain new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. The old things are passed away. If the Son, he goes on to say, shall, shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. That word means entirely. You can be free in your relationships. You can be free in your work. You can be free in your walk. You can be free in your faith. You can be, Listen, there, I've said this for two weeks, and I'm going to say it again. There's, there's some people in this room that is literally on the edge of exploding, and you know exactly who you are. And week in and week out, I had a guy text me last week uh, or message me through Facebook. He said, I'm the guy. I'm the guy sitting and waiting for that moment. You're talking to me every week, and I just want to burst forth and come down there and shake your head just to say, God, I hear you. But there's still many of you. I told him, I said, you're not the only one. There are people in this room today that are about to explode to either say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Forgetting those things which are behind and pressing towards the mark, the high calling which is in Christ. Some of you may want to join the church. Today is your day. Some of you may want to give your life to Jesus. And you say, man, I don't know how to do that. I don't know if God can accept me the way I am. Oh, you know what? The fact that you believe that way is exactly why he can accept you because it's called humility. If you would, bow your heads with me all over the room. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior, would you pray with me right now? from your heart to God. Pray from your heart to God by faith, through His grace, you can be saved today. Pray with me right now. Father in heaven, I am a sinner. And I believe in Jesus. And I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, save me. Save me and use me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray today and ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I wonder, would you right now, boldly and unashamedly, without any thoughts, any further provocation, would you right now just lift your hand and say, I prayed. I asked Jesus in my heart. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Lift it up. Come on. Lift it up. How many of you could say, Mark, I'm hurting. Mark, I'm dead. Mark, I have no purpose. Mark, I'm not bearing fruit. I'm a child of God. But I'm terrified. I'm broken. I'm undone. Any of those adjectives hit you, raise your hand right now. Lift it up high. Hands are going up all over the room. Hands are going up. Hold them up. Let God see your hand. You don't know your purpose. You don't know why you're here. You don't know what's going on. You're broken. There may be a lot of reasons. You lifted your hand today. I want you to forget those things that are behind you. I want you. I want to challenge you today to get out of your seat and come down front and pray with one of these prayer warriors. And just tell the enemy that you, you, you know what? Your lies are no longer my lies. I'm a child of the king. I'm going to walk in purpose. And I'm going to forget those things. And I'm going to press on. And I'm going to accept the calling to bear fruit because I'm attached to the true vine. Quit believing the lies of the enemy. I want to ask everyone to stand to their feet. Everybody in the house. The doors of our church stand open. If God's called you to be a part of our fellowship today. Nothing formal. Why, why do I have to come down there to join? Number one, you don't. But I'd love for you too to be able to embrace you and pray with you and for people to know who you are so that we can build even greater fellowship. If you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, please come and let us know. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand a moment ago. Maybe the enemy wouldn't let you take a step. He'll take 
Jesus will take the next one and the next one. Maybe God's calling you, sir, ma'am, to just come down here and shake my hand. Just simply to say, I got it. I'm the one you've been talking about. And right now when I said that, some of you even... It swelled up in you. You thought, what are people going to think if I walk that out? I'm going to tell you what they're going to think. They're going to think, praise God. They're going to celebrate with you. You may provoke a revival, not only in this church, but in your home, in your community. Sir, whoever you are today, ma'am, young person, if God is provoking you today, and you don't even know what that looks like, just come down here and shake my hand. Shake Pastor David's hand. Ben, anybody. God has spoken to you, and you know who you are. As they sing, I want you to come. I want you to come right now. Don't think about it. Step out.